Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thank you guys. Um, I'm nervous, and you'll find out why later, I guess. Um, but uh, um, I called this message uh, spending time um, because every single moment that you have, it's weird. It's like you got a hole in your wallet and you have no choice but to spend it. You're, you've chosen to be here at this time in this place to spend a certain amount of time. Every morning that you get up, you spend time. Every waking hour, you're doing something and you're spending it and you only have a limited amount of it. And I don't think that we, we quantify the value of that time as often as we should. That's what we're going to do today. I encourage you to, to take notes, to, to allow me to speak into your life, to take this, to take this seriously, to trust the Lord. He's, he's, he's given me something to say and that he's going to give me more to say as we go but to be open, ready, and available because there is valuable, valuable time that you're spending right now that you, you just can't get back. <laughs> so as for preachers, it's like, hey, you, you, ain't, you ain't gonna get this time back. So, I mean, you have to listen to me, um, poor you. Uh, but I'm gonna do my best, I promise you that. Um, some of the things that I'm gonna talk about, I really need your hearts to be postured in a place of understanding that some people have uh, you, you give a little bit of liberty to, to allow them to be able to offend you a little bit, as you've given Matt and Adrienne and, and, and Scott and, and Evan and anybody here has at least a little bit of liberty to offend the parts of you that should be a little bit offended, to stir you up to change, to be different than when you left, because we can't just be hearers of the word, as James says. We can't just be hearers, but we need to be doers as well. We can't be somebody who walks in to the bathroom, looks at the reflection in the mirror, and then just leaves, and then immediately they forgot what they even look like. It's what James talks about. He says, that person's a fool. Yeah. So we're going to get heavy a little bit, but I figured I'd start it off with a, a funny slash kind of sick and sick story um, <laughs> from my childhood. So this might be one of the only light parts of this entire night, so get ready for it. But when I was growing up, um, I grew up in the swamp. We were mostly wild, wild boys. Um, grew up with four other brothers. My parents, we weren't like, like poor in the sense where you would say, oh, they're a really poor family, poor them. We, we appeared to be, you know, like we, we completely had everything that we need. We lacked nothing. The Lord was so good to us. But in that, from being in the country, being from the swamp, our parents had certain procedures when either we're sick or we had an ailment or we had an injury where most parents, they might take them to the doctor. Our, my, my dad had certain surgeries that he would come up himself and uh, perform uh, to make sure that we were all better. Does anybody know what a planter's wart is? Oh, yeah. You know what a planter's wart is? Uh, I don't know about you, but the Fletcher family normally just went to the doctor and got them frozen off. What a bunch of wusses, am I right? <laughs> my dad had a better idea. He got tweezers, not the nice kind, the cheap kind. They're dull. Yeah. And they're, they're not, they don't have a pointy side. 
they're just flat on the end, like this. So if you know anything about the anatomy of a, a, a planter's wart, there are roots on the inside of them. And theoretically, if you dig into the wart and you grab a root and you yank enough of them out, the wart itself will die. So I, my dad caught wind that I had a wart on the bottom of my foot right here, the soft part of my foot. You can't, these, these, it's not like plucking a hair out between your eyebrows. It's not like sticking out ready for you to grab it. You gotta dig within and it hurts more than like anything. My dad, <laughs> he liked doing it and I hated it. Every night before bed, if I had, when I had this wart, I would lay down on my stomach, he would sit down on the couch and I'd have my foot up like this and he'd grab my little tiny ankle and he would insert the tweezer into my side of my foot and successfully or non-successfully try to grab one of these roots and yank it out. I would cry, bleed, and he would just say, come on, stop being a, you know, a little baby, come on. Like, you got this. I love my dad, man. I wouldn't do that to my kid, but um, I think I'm tougher for it, I guess, but I'm still really ticklish on my feet. Um, so I don't know, I wish that would have gone away. But I think that when we think about uprooting things, we think about a plant. You go, to the, you go see this weed in your garden and you pull it out of the ground, you don't feel any pain. Nothing really in your life has changed. Maybe it was an easy pull, maybe it wasn't. Maybe you pulled the top off and the roots are still in there, it's gonna grow back. Later on, you'll pick it again, who cares? But when it comes to sin and flaws and hurt, bad practices in our life, it's not uprooting things that are planted in the ground like that. It's far more like the wart, something that is growing on you that needs to get its life source taken out completely. Yeah. It's in you and it hurts like crazy, but if you can embrace the process, trust a brother, trust a sister to be able to point out some of these things because it says the rebuke of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses, then I just pray that you guys would trust me a little bit and know that some of this is, doesn't feel good. But it is for the good that we embrace this process as Christians so that we can grow and get ourselves to a better place. We can't just be people who seek the Lord's face. In terms of a church that I've been to, we seek the Lord's face than most churches I've been to. The Lord applauds us. He loves that. He loves spending time with us. But I still think that a lot of us may suffer from the same ailment that every other church does, is that even though you spent time here, you may not have walked out and lived your life in a way where other people who don't go and seek the Lord's face could see the Lord within you because of how you're living your life yeah. every single day yeah. in the workplace, outside of the workplace. Because the fact of the matter is, if you read the Bible, you read Proverbs, you read and learn about the character of the Lord that the Christian should replicate. They look far different than what the other people in your workplace are like. Yeah. They would work harder, they would be wiser, they wouldn't get riled up yeah. about what everybody else is worried about. Yeah. They would have strength. When other people may have a friend who struggled with, with this, this friend is in the muck with them. They're in the conversations, helping and praying, sticking out like a sore thumb, bowing their head at a table, asking how they can pray for somebody else because they don't give a dang. 
They're not here to please anybody at their workplace. And if your boss doesn't like that, go get fired. I, I'm not even kidding you. If, if you don't go into the next job interview you have and say, hey, I don't work on Sundays, I just don't. There should be such a culture within our church that people, that bosses in the workplace should be headhunting Christians because the way they work is superior to how the other people with other beliefs work. Man, if somebody came up to me and I had a bigger organization I'm hoping to have someday, that'd be sweet. And they said, hey, this, this, and this, and I don't work on Sundays. Bill, you're hired. You can work for me. That'd be sweet. Now, don't do that. But, I mean, I would look at other things. But that would be a huge, like, dang, son, you, you're putting it on me. I don't even know if I have a place for you. But you're, you're dropping your values off right here. This is important to me, and I don't waver on that. Be like, I like that. Thank you. Okay, cool. Let's work with that. I want to crack open uh, Psalms 90. Um, I didn't bring a Bible that has the same version that Matt put up, so I'm going to turn around. You did? Oh, my gosh. This man. Then, then give me one moment to find it. I did mark it with my ribbon, so don't think that I'm one of those dudes that can crack his Bible open really quick and be in the right spot. Not one of my gifts. Um, not yet, at least. Psalm 90. Let's read this together. O Lord, you have been our protector through all generations. Even before the mountains came into existence or you brought the world into being, you were the eternal God. You make mankind return to the dust and say, return, O people. Yes, in your eyes, a thousand years are like yesterday that quickly passes or like one of the divisions or one of the night watches of the night. You bring their lives to an end and they fall asleep and in the morning they are alike the grass that sprouts up. In the morning it glistens and sprouts up, at evening time it withers and dries up. Yes, we are consumed by your anger, we are terrified by your wrath. You are aware of our sins, you even know about our hidden sins. Yes, throughout all of our days we experience your raging fury. The years of our lives pass quickly like a sigh. The days of our lives add up to 70 or maybe 80 years if one is especially strong. But even the one's best years are marred by trouble and oppression. Yes, they, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who can really fathom the intensity of your anger? Your raging fury causes people to fear you. So teach us to consider our morality so that we might live wisely. Or it says in an, uh, another translation, help us to count our days. Yeah. Count our days so we can live wisely or our hearts can be made full. Turn back toward us, O Lord. How long must these sufferings last? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy in the morning with your loyal love then we will shout for joy and be happy all of our days. Make us happy in proportion to the days you have afflicted us, in proportion to the years we have experienced trouble. May your servants see your work. May their sons see your majesty. May our sovereign God extend his favor to us. Make our endeavors successful. Yes, make them successful. It's talking about hard times, but guess what? You know who else has hard times? The world has hard times too. We're, we're not exempt from hard times, but we have hope. 
the world doesn't have any hope when they hit their hard times. So um, I want to do a practice real quick. Can everybody crack open their calculators? Crack open the old calculator. All right, here is the math I need you to do. We're numbering our days. So I need you to go to s slide one, please. Here it is, 79 minus your age equals what? Very good. Very good. <laughs> All right, so you got your answer there. I'm going to be asking random people what your numbers are, by the way, so if you're not doing it, um, uh, you need to know it. Um, so um, could be awkward for a minute while you try to add it up. All right, now the next slide. You're going to take X, and you're going to multiply it by 52. That's how many weeks that you have according to the average lifespan of an American. When you look at that number, do you feel like, yeah, I got this. You know, I got a ton of time. You know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll mess around for a few more years until I really, you know, like really try. I really like, like put it all forward. You know, I got time. Or do you see that and you see that it doesn't say a million on there? And that you see, like, if you're me, I take my efforts from week to week. I go a week, I reflect on the last week, and I'm like, I didn't do this very well, I need to do this better. Or I completely bombed last week, I didn't take any ground forward, I didn't, I didn't seek the Lord harder, I didn't allow him to change me. Now I want you to ask yourself a question. Seeing that number there, be really honest with yourself, and it's okay. Because like I said, it doesn't feel good, to uproot some of these things, but it is the best thing for you if you're actually gonna embrace this process and let the Lord have his way. But man, it doesn't feel good. Pruning can hurt. Yeah. How many weeks would you say you haven't been taking ground, you haven't laid that thing down, that, that practice that you know that you should be doing, should be praying, should be working out, should be um, you know, not watching this, or you should be you know, have given up that sin that much time ago. How many weeks have you wasted? And if you duplicate it again today, how many more weeks out of that number are you willing to, to just squander again? Are you willing? Landon, what was your number? 57 weeks left? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's got a USA, where I went to high school, type of math education right there. What's your number? 2,960. Okay, okay. Thank you, Eden. Um, 2,900 some? 2,964. Less than 3,000. Uh, Phil, do you know what yours, yours was? I got a memory. Yeah, 988. 988 weeks? Okay. Okay. Now, of course, this can be shorter. This can be longer, but it's in the Lord's hands, and this is pretty reasonable in terms of how most people uh, live out their days, that um, they would be able to treasure the amount of time that they have left. Whew. 
in Ecclesiastes uh, 7, 1 through 5, he, he starts off, Solomon starts off Ecclesiastes like this, just so you know that I'm not a jerk. <laughs> a good reputation is better than precious perfume. Likewise, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. So the, it's better than precious perfume because perfume is something that back in the day, only the, the, the rich would have something that was so luxurious because you can get by from day to day and smell like crap. You can still be a good carpenter. You can still do good. You can still do a lot of these things, but it is an absolute luxury that you would be able to change the way that you smell, yeah. right? You're not changing who you are by the way that you smell. You know what, what Solomon says is important? a good reputation. And a lot of us as Christians, we might think, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, just serve the Lord. Okay, okay. Serve the Lord obviously comes first. Obviously, right? Seeking the Lord, pursuing him with all of our heart, but letting him nurture, take care of, and change you into a person that is more like Christ is the type of person that the world looks up to. They might not look up to the things that you value, but they will look up to your character and the way that you operate. Hey, this person is unwaverable. Man, their faith is on a solid rock. Nothing, it just seems like nothing harms them. Like, I went through something hard, but, but they have too. They relate to me in the facet of, I went through the same thing that they did, but for some reason it didn't, it didn't completely destroy them. Like, they're still standing. They're still making it happen. They're still moving forward. I talked to my grandma that I can imagine has very few weeks if I made her do this uh, practice. I would never do it. Um, (laughs) But she's doing it herself. She knows that she's got dwindling time. And she's kind of on this thing where she's making sure that everybody knows, like, Never mind, she might listen to this. I love you, Grandma. <laughs> but she wants to make sure that she, like, everybody knows, like, where, what she thinks, and that, like, hey, I, I, want, I think that you need to do this. You know, my grandma is wise. She wants to just be as helpful as she can, you know, with the time that she has left. But the thing that, that, that hurts me is that sometimes I feel like my grandma thinks that she's, she's about done, and that she can't have the type of ministry that she truly wants because she's older. When I would argue the complete opposite is that we are a bunch of young people who are hungering and thirsting in desperate need for the wisdom that we can't have because we don't have the years yet that you have. Man, the ministry that you get to have just by a default of already walking through the mistakes, walking through the victories that I have yet to walk through, the experiences that I haven't walked. Man, we need you. We need you to not believe that it's over, to just sit back like we need you to speak. We need your help. So don't think for a second, whew, I want you, like, as a young dude, it's easy for me to say, hey, like, take these numbers really seriously. Know that every single week, there's another one down. Another week, there's another one down. You've counted your days, and every single morning that you get up, you stack six days, and you rest on the seventh, you soak up time with the Lord, and you work your butt off for another six. That's who we are. That's who we are. Um, 
if you, uh, this is hard for me to, for me to talk about. It's really, really close to home and something that uh, just kind of revolves around, you know, my work. But um, if 40 to 50% of people were going to be personally offended by something that you were going to say, but you knew that it was good, you knew that they could, they could live a fuller life, a healthier life, a more energetic life, but it was going to personally offend 40 to 50% of the people. Like, would you still say it? And I was like, man, Pastor Matt's my pastor, and he normally does 99% every Sunday. <laughs> <clears throat> but it is a little bit more personal, um, just because it pertains to our bodies. And that's something that I've devoted, you know, my professional life to. So I want to share a story. So... Um, at the gym, I, do, uh, I used to do something called the six-week challenge. Every now and then, I do do a six-week challenge where I run ads, and I get people who are interested in changing their life, some of them in more desperate need than others. As a person in this field, I see people for what could happen. I want to see myself and my sin for what, what could be and not look at it as a little pet and a little baby, but what it could be when it's full grown. And I see these people, and I haven't always relayed that personally until recent, recently in my life of making sure I'm looking at my sin not as a little pet, but as what is the monster that it is when it's fully grown. If it could have its way, if it could have its way, what would it do? And I'm messing around with it, So I met with this guy. He's a pastor. Immediately, I thought we'd hit it off. We had some good, good things, some good things in common. And every, every meeting that I have, I, I have him fill one of these things out. Uh, he wants to lose weight. He wants to gain muscle. On the sheet, it says, what is your why? Why is it important for you to get these results? Some people just bear their soul to me. He just said, I'm tired of being overweight. Okay, I can work with that for now. You don't know me yet. I want to get deeper, but hey, we can work with that. It says, how long have you been struggling with this? It says, 30 plus years. That's heavy. This is something that you've wanted to do for 30 plus years, but you just couldn't. It says, seeing is why you're here. Why do you think that you failed to reach your goals on your own? And this pastor wrote down, he said, this pastor, listen, do you think that the Bible says as teachers, we hold teachers to a higher standard? Because Jesus does. He holds them to a higher standard. And we're not to be judgmental and you know, slam, slam our leaders. But there is a higher standard that somebody should be held to, especially if they're going to champion on the message of Christ. We would love to see them just, just dominate. Would you also agree that you probably, for the most part, shouldn't take advice from anybody whose life you wouldn't really want to replicate? Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I don't see that you have anything going on for yourself, I probably, you know, anything that you say, should probably take it very cautiously. Like, you've obviously haven't mastered this. Why do you think that you have the right to be
be able to help me with this. Like, I want to go to somebody who's been there and seen the victories. It says, seeing as you're here, why do you think you failed to reach your goals on your own? And he said, no willpower or someone to push me. As a pastor in that church, it breaks my heart how lonely he must feel. As a leader here, know that that's not the case whatsoever. You will have an army of people helping you with whatever you need. I said, how motivated are you to transform and have massive change in your life? He put a six or a seven. I've seen lower numbers. (laughs) Lower numbers from people who really need help. So this particular uh, pastor, the reason I bring him up isn't because of my admiration, my sadness for how, how deep he's in need, but for how prideful he was that he didn't feel like he needed anything from anybody. He was overweight, type 2 diabetes, which can be acquired by poor lifestyle. He uh, bragged about having a degree um, in the uh, exercise field from a prestigious university. He's tried uh, Weight Watchers and has has had a nutritionist before and has claimed that he already knows everything and he doesn't really need anything. I I tried to explain to him, this is what I would do, this is what I would help you with, and if you let me do this, I'm not gonna let you fail. But we can do this together in this issue that breaks my heart where you said, no friends are pushing me, dude, I'll be there with you hand in hand making sure that you can make this happen for yourself because I know you're going to be a better pastor. I know that you're going to have more energy. I know that you're going to have more vigor and confidence for everything that you stand behind. And your body isn't going to fail you because like I said before, the same thing breaks my heart because we, we, we don't look at it as something to be mourned now in the moment, I'm mourning what, what is probably going to happen. This isn't going to lead to a good, pla- a good place, Pastor. So he's got, uh, he's got two kids and a wife at home as well. And he is in incredible, incredible need to completely transform his life. And he won't give me nothing. And I was sitting down with him, I was talking, and I was like, so this is what I'm doing. He's like, yeah, I don't really need to do that. Like, okay, um, what about, you know, you know, doing this? And he's trying to rattle off, like, nutrition advice and try to teach me how to do my job. And I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't really work like that. This is what we would need to do to make sure that this happens, and that happens, we can get you here and there. And ultimately, I just came down to it, seeing as he didn't want to change at all. And I told him straight up. And I was like, okay, so let just, because I don't want to dismiss you and just move on. You have this, this happening to your body. You've been struggling with this for 30 plus years, not being able to bust out of this. Something that you, you have been thinking about every day for 30 plus years. You haven't had the push, the motivation, the discipline, the help, the self-value to take care of your body something that the Lord treasures highly. You haven't been able to do it. You have type 2 diabetes. You have kids at home 
you have a wife at home, and most importantly, you have a congregation of people who are following somebody who has been struggling with something for 30 plus years. And it's okay to struggle with something for 30 plus years. But to, but to at the end of the day, be facing a solution and just say like, no. And I told him, I was like, so this is what we're dealing with. And seeing all these things, what do you want from me? Like, why are you here? And he t- kind of turned his head and he was confused. And he rationalized in his mind and he said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't actually need anything. I don't need any help. I was like, okay. Well, it was great meeting you. <laughs> My heart broke for this guy. Are any of us like this a little bit? And it's not just about, it's just, not just about uh, weight or, 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 or physically being unhealthy. It's about knowing that there's something set on your heart that is going to grow you to, to, to build discipline within you that you have put off and rejected any will, any help, any ability to finally squash it and make it happen. Because my heart breaks for this guy that I tried my absolute best with. I didn't even get to tell him what the price was. He already rejected it. Already rejected all help. Didn't want anything to do with what might might help him change. Because I think about what it looks like to be a Christian in the workplace and see how the bar is just so, so low. Like I just imagine the, 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 the average amount of, of people who are, are, are getting down on a knee and proposing to their, to their wife. What are you doing in that moment? You're saying, hey, honey, I love you so much. Like you are going to be my number one person on this earth until the day that I die. I'm going to make sure that I do everything to provide and take care of you, to love you, and to build a family with you so that we can have a generation following us that glorifies the Lord in everything that we do. You're sitting there down on your knee and you're making these promises with this ring. And then a year into marriage, you're done trying. That's what most people do. It breaks my heart. And the, and the, and the hard thing about this, and I'll get off of this in a second, is I want, also want to, I just want anybody to know, like, if this is a struggle, like, I, I don't, I'm not judging anybody. I want to actually help. I want to, I want to be able to help anybody here for free for, I want to give you two, two months of free coaching so that we can, we can make this happen. Um, we can start feeling better. But we have a cultural issue here where I would guarantee and put my foot down that there's nobody that's going to call you out in this kind of way. Because we might see somebody smoking, being like, dude, you're coughing a lot. Like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? you got to stop smoking. Somebody who's drinking too much. They're coming into church with hangovers or whatever it might be. Hey, dude, it's obvious. you got to stop this. Somebody watching porn. Like, dude, you know that's going to grow. You know that that's damaging your mind. But in our culture, to be treating our bodies poorly in terms of our eating, it's culturally normal, and we don't call each other out. And I hate to be the dude who's a jerk. But I'm not mourning. I'm, I'm, I'm mourning something that is, that, is, that is an inevitable issue. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to be able to look at this thing and just be like, oh, it's a cute little thing. You know, it's just kind of a struggle. Maybe it doesn't really, but it's like, man, I know the, tra the, the transformations that can happen in somebody when they put their foot down. They start clearing their mind up. They start eating better. Their body starts popping out of bed every single morning on a mission because the greatest purpose of life isn't to go from being happy to being happy and trying to be happy again, to being comforted by this thing or that thing or that food, but it's to be a person on a mission with the highest calling that God has called you towards. And man, if you're a soldier, we got to take care of ourselves in every single way. It's time that we take an honest reflection. If you would take your notes out, because I want us to be looking at that number. What's that number? And what is that little sin, that little demon? He's kind of cute, too. He's a little Halloween demon. He's like that lady next door who dressed their baby up like a demon or something. A little red, you know, with horns and stuff. That's what we see our sin as. <laughs> it's just a cute little thing. You know, it's, it's, I kind of live with it, and I try my best not to not to give in to that little, that little thing. But look at your days and look at that. That is not a cute little thing. When that thing is grown up and it shows its teeth, it's going to make you believe that it's cute all the way to the bitter end until it shows itself for who it really is. Its will is to steal, kill, and destroy. It wants to carry out the father of lies plan for your life. And I have struggled with it, and I've treated little tiny things that I, I, in my mind, were little. I treated them like little. I let them live in my life. I haven't uprooted, pulled the roots out so that it could wither and die. I haven't protected myself to make sure that it couldn't grow up anymore, that it wasn't welcome back. Because the reality of it is, it was never little, and it was never cute. Sin is sin. And it has a will for your life the same way that Christ does. Yeah. And you have the power of your will, the blessing from God that he says, I'm not just going to make you love me. I'm not going to make you serve me. I'm going to give you the blessing of an opportunity to do it or not to do it. Yeah. So in that same way, we have the opportunity to reject it yeah. or to take it, yeah. to, let it to let it show itself for its full form when it crumbles us and it breaks us. In uh, Psalm 90, uh, 14 through 17, it says, Satisfy us with unfailing love. We have seen many troubles, like I said earlier, so has the rest of the world. May the Lord's deeds stand out so the next generation can see his splendor. May the favor of the Lord rest upon us, establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Does anybody here know uh, their great, great, great grandpa's name? You know his name? That's one. Anybody else? Two, three. It's just three of us. Listen, this guy isn't that far off from us and nobody remembers them. This is something that we don't like to talk about because as, as I think as, as dudes, we like to be like, man, I'm going to be remembered. 
I'm going to live a life that everybody's going to follow, be famous, and I'm going to have... Nobody's probably going to remember, quite honestly. Like, my great-great-great-grandpa was a, a, a pinnacle person in the generation that has made my family the way that it is. I don't, I don't know who he is, but it's not important whether I know his name or not, because he doesn't care. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he believed or not. But he doesn't care. But we living here, we care so much when in reality, the only thing that is worth passing on is generational blessings that the Lord would move through everything that we do. Because in, 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 in 50 years after we're gone, nobody's going to talk about you. Nobody's going to care anymore. But there's going to be one man who's going to remember your name. When we first started reading, it said that a thousand years on earth is just like a day or a night in heaven. Man, if I'm going to live 80 to 100 years, I am just a tenth of what a day is like in heaven. Just imagine, I don't know if it works like this, but imagine every single day Jesus gets to report about a church that was planted and said, hey, what do we have today? Who is awesome today? Dude, there was this church in Grand Rapids, these people who were on fire for the Lord, and I, like, I remember their names, and I'm claiming them as our own, and they were laying everything down, everything down, to worship us. And here we are, a blip on the radar over one day that is a thousand years to us on earth. And what if he could call and he could say he's proud? Listen, this is so weird when I read this, that, and I thought about my great-great-great-grandpa. Man, nobody's going to remember Zach Kramer. Nobody's going to care, unless I'm as famous as Elvis or something. And if, pretty soon, nobody's going to remember him either, and that's okay. It's really okay, actually, probably. I don't know. Uh, probably better off. Anyway. Um, uh-huh. Um, but it's not about you. It's about him. The greatest that I could do for my life, worship team, you want to come up? The greatest thing that I could do in my life is to help build up a church, to welcome the Lord to come and establish himself in a place and in a time where he is fully available to be outside of it. He would be hungry to come inside of time, to come and be with us, To to have a family and kids that they might not even remember who I am, but there is a culture and a resonance weaving throughout my bloodline because of how I lived my life and how my parents lived their life and how my grandparents lived their life. That they might not remember me, but they will remember the Lord because I'm not messing around. I want him so bad, not for myself, But for the next generation, it says, may the Lord's deeds stand out so the next generation can see his splendor. It's not about your legacy. It's about the legacy of Christ. There's one king in uh, 2 Kings 15. It says that he did right uh, in the eyes of the Lord. He saw what his father did. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but he didn't tear down the high places. And it said that the people within his kingdom kept on sacrificing to those high places. You can do what is right 
the Lord can see you're in the right place. You might even be spending some of your time in the right places. But, guys, at what point are you going to look at those weeks? You're going to see, I only have so many left. Every single one of these, I want to make sure that I'm laying something down if it's brought to my attention. I don't need to wait anymore. I don't need to wait on it. I'm going to tear down the high places and I'm going to live a life with as many weeks as I have left with no high places within it. This is an anomaly to what the world is experiencing within the church. It is experiencing people in the church that are in the next cubicle by them and they wouldn't even know that they're a Christian unless they asked them. If they took them to court and said, hey, I'm convicting this person of a Christian, the judge would say, hey, how much evidence do you have? They'd be like, well, I asked them one time that they're, if they're a Christian or not. I'd be like, okay, what other evidence do you have? Uh, nothing. Man, what if you prayed for him? Man, what if you stood out like a sore thumb? What if you didn't care anymore? What if everything that you did, you were living out the identity and the value that Christ sees in you, therefore taking care of your body, therefore taking care of your mind, therefore everywhere that you plant your feet, whether it be in work, whether it be in church, whether it be your family, you're here, you're present in your moment and you're going all out because everything that you do is for him. You would be so set apart. You would have what, what Solomon talks about when he says, uh, a good reputation is better than a precious perfume. You would have a reputation of somebody who stands strong no matter what. But it's all unto numbering your days, tearing down the high places that tomorrow, tonight, man, you could have a week cemented into history where, the, where nobody would remember, but the Lord would be like, I remember that time when he tore down that high place when he said, or she said, I'm completely done with this. I only have so much time to worship the Lord with this earthly body. The Lord would see the offering that you're giving on this earthly body, this earthly time. And he would say, good job, my, my, my good and faithful servant. I want you to be up and up here. I want you to keep on doing that with me. So let's bow our heads and let's worship. And I encourage you, you've got something to lay down. Don't be a fool. It's not about you, it's about him. Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't normally pray for more than 30 minutes, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. Every single moment, we're breaking it down into weeks, breaking it down into days, breaking it down from moment to moment. He is never spending time outside of the presence of the Lord. Every single moment is his. No moment is spent in the high places. Nothing is given to the enemy so that it can take ground and move forward. Are you gonna be like this poor pastor who has been, I've been holding this, struggling with this, longing for this, knowing that there's something greater for my life, but I'm gonna hold on to it for 30 plus years. Somebody do the math, that's some 1,500 some weeks. That is such a long time to hold on to a high place that is killing this man. Lord, I pray that you would just rest on us. I pray that you would just encourage us, Lord, because 
Lord, we can't just be hearers of the word. We got to be doers of the word. So Lord, here we are. Come and meet with us. Come and see us. Jesus, here's this thing. Fill in the blank for yourself. Here's this. Here's this high place that has that I've been allowing for so long. And it gives me so much joy to lay it down and say, Jesus, I need your strength. But with all the strength that I have, I'm finished with it. Every single moment that I have, Jesus, I want to spend it with you. Everything that I do is a moment with you. Lord, I never want to spend any time outside of you. Holy Spirit, come and fill every single person. Come and trigger that thing that lingers, that thing that we've been holding on to for 30 plus years. Help us to do the hard work of uprooting, plucking it and getting it out. We can't let it fester. We can't let it grow. Lord, show it for the evil that it really is and show us the goodness of what life is like when we lay it down, hand it over to the King of Kings and let him completely take over our lives. Jesus, it's all unto you. It's not for the legacy. It's not for me. It's not for my name. It's not so that I can be great here or I can be great then. Lord, it's so that you can be great and you can carry on in the next generation to come. The Holy Spirit can rule and reign and be a dominating force. Because Lord, I'm putting my name down and I'm lifting your name up. I reject my will to, 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 to just live a great legacy, to live something for me. Because Lord, I'm not gonna be remembered by anybody. Jesus, I just wanna be remembered by you. Use my life as a testimony for the short moments that it might be valuable, but Lord, the only testimony that I care about is the one that you express to the Father on Judgment Day. Jesus, if you could share a testimony about Zach Kramer, if you could share a testimony about this church, one that you were proud of, one that you were allowed to move freely with, Jesus, there's really no greater, greater gift. There's really nothing better than that, than you could go to the Father and say, I'm proud of this one. I'm so proud of everything that he or she laid down. That thing that was so tough, that thing that was latched to them so strongly. And that time they got rid of it. They never looked back. Like Scott was saying, they never looked back. And they ran into the promises of God. Jesus, just come and set us free and have your way tonight. I just encourage anybody who has something to lay down, if you have any goals, if you have any, any new habits that you want to form, those are good things to confess to each other so we can hold each other accountable in those ways. If you need help, guys, you're, you're completely welcome to talk to me. But we got to tear down those high places tonight. We're going to do that in this song. So Lord, come and have your way and don't lay something down, please, without telling somebody, hey, like I'm really done with this. And we'll make sure as leaders, as your friends, 
as your brothers and sisters, that it remains true and that you never pick it up again. In Jesus' name.